at a time when America cannot turn on cable news these days without endless conversation about impeachment, Big Shot turns away from Washington, D.C. and to the state of Iowa. Iowa? Why, for the love of God, Iowa? The so-called savvy political listeners right now will smugly tell the rest of you, Iowa holds the Iowa caucus, the first test of political strength in any presidential election contest. What they won't tell you is they have no idea how the Iowa caucus actually works, even though it is perhaps one of the most important electoral events in determining who becomes our nation's president. Iowa gets consumed with politics, politicians, their stabs, and the news media at the outset of every presidential campaign. Like wildebeests, the migration of thousands of presidential campaign staffers starts with the migration to Iowa about one year before the Iowa caucus. These staffers go to live in Iowa homes, knock on their doors, attend their barbecues and the Cyhawk tailgating parties, and to plead with Iowans to attend the caucus for their candidates. My daughter Nicole is doing just that for Mayor Pete right now. The presidential candidates also descend on Iowa, understanding that Iowa can make or break their chances to become president. Iowa made Barack Obama and Jimmy Carter. Camera crews, reporters, feature writers, all travel to Iowa to chart the presidential candidates' every move, especially now when the presidential contest is really heating up. In fact, several of our Big Shot fantasy candidates have been living in Iowa for the past three weeks, and one is on a bus tour at the time of this taping. What do Iowans think about all of this? I mean, really, what do they think about all this? How do they process this very important role they have in America's future? Big Shot sent senior editor Greg Drilling back home to Iowa over Thanksgiving to reconnect with his home state and its people. Here's what he and they have to say. In about two months, the first election of the Democratic presidential race will be held in Iowa. It's called the Iowa Caucus. You might be wondering, how are voters in Iowa reacting to the mass migration of candidates descending upon their state? Which candidates are gaining traction? Which candidates aren't? And why? Big Shot traveled to Sioux City, Iowa to take a behind-the-scenes look at what's happening on the ground in Iowa. The caucus is essentially a neighborhood meeting for politically active, like-minded people. Unlike the kind of voting most people are used to, which takes only a few minutes and involves pushing a button or pulling a lever in the secrecy of a voting booth, Iowans have to devote almost an entire evening to the caucus process. The caucuses on the Democratic side are much more out in the open. Everyone knows whom you voted for and possibly why. Now, being a native Iowan myself, I think I have a pretty good understanding of how Democrats in the state think. We strongly prioritize kitchen table issues like jobs and healthcare and we're not easily distracted by national political drama that often dominates the airwaves. Ann Seltzer is a highly regarded polling expert in Iowa, and she says that even though impeachment animates the national audience, the issue plays differently in Iowa. When Speaker Pelosi announced that she was starting the inquiry, I thought, I'm just going to keep my ear to the ground and see what happens here. And it was strangely silent. And really, I'd, I have not heard that many Iowans sort of start jumping up and down on either side. So what do Iowa Democrats care about? 
I think right now the farm economy is big. That's Sandy Bass. Sandy is a Democratic activist in Northwest Iowa, and she's currently the co-vice chair of the Woodbury County Democrats. I'm speaking from the perspective of Northwest Iowa, the 4th District, 39 counties, and and we have a lot of very rural counties. So the farm economy is really a big thing, the tariffs and factory farms versus family farms, that sort of thing. I think healthcare has really come out as a big issue, and just jobs in general. People are just worried about having jobs and, and being able to keep them. And I think pretty much all of the candidates have been speaking to that, um, some of them better than others on the farm issues. See, Iowans take their first-in-the-nation responsibility very seriously. We're used to seeing politicians. And if there's one thing we're good at, it's spotting the phonies. Yeah, some people are more vague on their issues and, and talk a lot but don't really end up saying anything, if that makes sense. And others, you can tell, have done their homework, or, or at least their staff has done their homework and informed them. Sandy mentioned that she thinks tariffs are going to be a big issue in this Democratic caucus. But since most farmers come from rural communities that are quite conservative, I asked her if she really thought that would make a difference. Sure, some Iowa voters care about tariffs and the impact they've had, but what about Democratic caucus goers? I do like that you've made a distinction between Democratic voters and Democratic caucus goers. You know, we've been doing our best to get more and more people involved with caucus, but not every Democratic voter goes to caucus. For example, we sometimes have a hard time getting large turnout for caucuses in some of the rural counties that we have. I, I think you're right in saying that, some, that perhaps people sympathize with them, but that may not be their top issue. We have done some educational outreach to talk about what is a tariff and how do they affect you and that tariffs are taxes and that sort of thing. So I think a lot of people are confused on even what what a tariff is and how it impacts them personally, how it impacts prices that they pay. Uh, farmers that have, you know, soybeans in bins that, that are basically sitting and rotting because they can't sell them. But since caucus scores are not largely um, rural people, it may not be the issue on the, on the top of their list. I wanted to really understand how a caucus voter makes their final decision. What influences their opinion? Do all of those TV ads even work? You know, I think for maybe new caucus goers or first-time caucus goers, the ads might do something. For most of the people that I know or people that have been active in caucus for a number of years, um, the commercials don't really mean anything to me. Um, Meeting somebody, shaking their hand, listening to them, um, kind of just getting a gut feeling around them means everything. And I can't imagine making up my mind based on commercials. Some folks can't meet candidates because they oftentimes come during the workday. I think they might make up their mind and be a little bit influenced by commercials, but I think mostly it's conversation that you have with other people that are actively involved. And um, people tend to seek out people that they know are involved and ask them what they think. I asked Sandy, what does it for you? What makes you say, this is the right candidate? I really do go on my gut feeling when I meet somebody, especially if you meet them multiple times and is it consistent. And their staff makes a big impression. 
you know, how how good their staff is, I, I kind of have a feeling that staff is a reflection of the candidate. And so a candidate that has really good staff that's really on it, that is something I take notice of. I caught up with my old friend Nick to get his perspective on things. My name is Nick Anderson, and I am a public school teacher in Iowa. Nick, what do you think is important to Iowa Democrats ahead of the caucus? Well, I think the issue of electability, I mean, that's really not a policy, but I think that's an issue that's very important, and defeating Trump, but making sure that we have a strong candidate to do so. And I think some of the policies involved with that are economic ones, our health care, our jobs, our payment, right? And then, yeah, that's just the main, I would say those are the main two, and then housing would be the third one. Um, but really, it's like health care and money, those are the two things that are really important. I asked Nick if he had the opportunity to meet or see any of the candidates in person. I think three so far. Yeah, I went to a Bernie uh, rally, and then I went to uh, a Kamala Harris one and a uh, Elizabeth Warren one. And I also asked him if he thinks Iowans are pretty good at spotting who's real and who's not. Oh, yeah. Well, part of it is just growing up in Iowa. I think everyone here has a really good sense of, like, bullshit radar. You know, like, we know when people are not being authentic or not being real, you know. Um, and so that's one of the things that really appeals to me about Bernie is his authenticity. But then, you know, it's also we understand that politics is a game and that, you know, they're never going to give you a straight answer most of the time. You know, they're always going to give you the answer you want to hear instead of the right answer, which can get frustrating, but that's politics. So does that mean you're committed to caucusing for Bernie? Um, you know, I've, I really haven't committed either way. My thing with Bernie Sanders is this. I, if it was just Bernie Sanders, the person, you know, with his policies, and it was just him, I probably would caucus for him. But because we immediately associate candidates with the people who like them and campaign for them, you know, like their staffers and stuff, I feel like there's a divide between Bernie's staffers and him, where Bernie's folks, there's kind of a... Uh, a stereotype of being extreme left, not compromising, you know, um, we're uh, not going to end up voting for anybody in the primary if it's not burn like burning and bust. And that, you know, there is, that is factually correct. There are people like that. And I think the noise of those people is so loud that it kind of puts a bad taste in my mouth for Bernie. <laughs> uh, but if it was just him, like if it was just straight up policies, you know, caucus for him in a heartbeat. This got me thinking. If you like the candidate, and you think they have the best policies, why won't you commit to caucusing for them? It's not just about the candidate, it's about their momentum and their movement and the, the theme or the, the emotion behind it, the people. So I pressed Nick on this point a little bit. Are you afraid to support Bernie because you think he has an electability issue? Well, you know, part of that, I'm... Because as much as centrist Democrats like to put blame on 2016 on the far left of the party with Bernie, it actually does scare me to think that if it was the reverse this time around where Bernie gets the nomination, will we actually have some of those you know, more moderate Democrats like a Bloomberg and some of those guys 
will they actually get behind Bernie the same way that he got behind Hillary? Because the narrative is that Bernie didn't do anything for Hillary, which is false. The guy campaigned for like three months for Hillary. As you heard, Nick puts a lot of thought and consideration into deciding who he's going to support. And the candidate he ends up supporting at the Iowa caucus might not even be the one that speaks to him the most. So, while Nick is still undecided, I asked Sandy Bass if there were ever any moments when everything clicked for her, and she decided, that's it. That's the person I'm going to caucus for. Um, I had, I, I have had those, um, a couple of times. Some of them on caucus night, and some of them more with a, an actual interaction with a candidate or their spouse. I had, a, I had a, an interaction with John Edwards' wife when she was here that really made her seem very um, personal and approachable to me, and that made a huge difference. Sandy's talking about former U.S. Senator John Edwards from North Carolina, who ran for president in both 2004 and 2008. Um, I recently had an exchange with Elizabeth Warren that she does her pinky promise, her pinky swear with, with little girls that come through. And ahead of me in line was a, a grandmother, a mother, and a little girl. And they all kind of knelt down and were doing the pinky promise for their picture. And when they finished, I was next behind them, and she had tears in her eyes. And she said, we just absolutely have to do this. We have to, we have to win this. And then she said, I promised all these little girls. And that just hit me. It was, it was so personal. And it's so genuine. She genuinely meant it. I've had candidates for years say things like that to me, but this was different. I asked Sandy if this was the moment when she decided to support Elizabeth Warren. I, I had decided prior to that, but that oh, okay. sealed the deal. And every time I've met her, she is the most genuine and present candidate I have ever met. Um, she's not like talking to you and looking over your shoulder for the next couple of people that are behind you. When she's talking to you, she's talking to you. And that just absolutely blows me away. So we spoke with Nick and Sandy, but one question still remains. What impact, if any, will young voters play in the Iowa caucus? We spoke to a few self-proclaimed Gen Z voters, that is, Iowa Democratic voters born in 1997 or after, who plan on caucusing, and asked what they thought. I think the youth vote really does hinge on who the Democrats pick. I think there's a lot of passion that's out there. I think that a lot of people feel like we're at a crossroads that we've never been at before. There's two types of people, the people that are angry and passionate and the ones that are definitely going out to caucus. And then there's the people that believe that Republicans have it in the bag and so that they don't really think they can make a change. And I know people our age, I don't think any of us were able to vote at that time. Um, I'm not sure, but I know that a lot of my friends, a lot of my friends weren't able to vote, so now is their opportunity. So I think that's an energizing factor in the event that they were not pleased with what the result of the 2016 election was. I think a lot of uh, youth are paying more attention to specific policies, and specific policies are drawing them to specific candidates. Um, so I'm really hoping that this election, we don't see what we saw in 2016 uh, with the Bernie Sanders gro uh, group, um, where when Bernie wasn't nominated, they just stayed home. I feel like the youth vote now is there's a lot of more. There's a lot more people who are taking notice of things like this. There's so many issues that affect us and it'll affect our lives and our children, and um, it's time to take it into our own hands. Despite their age or how many times they've gone to the Iowa caucus, one thing's pretty clear. Iowans take this stuff pretty seriously.
That's it for this episode of Big Shot, and thanks for listening. Thanks to our senior editor, Greg Drilling, for taking the lead on writing, editing, and narrating this episode. And a big thanks to Sandy Bass and Nick Anderson for providing us with your valuable insight. If you liked what you heard and want to see how this year's Big Shot Fantasy Race unfolds, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. To learn more, visit the official Big Shot website at bigshot-podcast.com. Also, if you have not voted for your favorite Big Shot Fantasy candidate, now is the time to do so. The Iowa caucuses are coming up soon. Go to bigshot-podcast.com. Thanks to editor Caroline King and contributors Marissa Kosha, Jack Bavacqua, and Kimberly Winston for making this podcast. Special thanks to our sponsor, Frank Carone, for sponsoring the entire podcast season. This is your host, Charlie King. See you next time.